We're on the eve of a new campaign in League One, hopefully our final one in League One this season, and to look ahead to the season coming and to kind of cover everything that's been going on in the club the past few months. Joined as always, well, as always at the start of the season by Jamie Swinney. Jamie, thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks, Colin, and, and hopefully uh, in the next bit of time we can cover everything fans want to know and, 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 and maybe answer some questions that have been that have been sent into yourself uh, as we look forward to which absolutely we hope to be a final year in League One. How was the summer? How's the summer been? Has it been busy or has it been a chance to reset after last season? There's no doubt that, that period from when we stopped playing up to probably getting into the, the, the first League Cup games is a really busy period just because there's so much to do in terms of preparation for the new season. It was obviously made even probably busier this year because of the pitch and the floodlights and the IT. Everything that we've done from an infrastructure point of view really ramped up um, over and above the normal, which is season tickets and strips and all the commercial items. So a busy period, as always, to be honest with you, but um, certainly maybe even slightly busier this year just because of all the work that's went on in the club since the end of last season. We spoke first time in May 22, at the end of that season. Uh, it was a very different place then um, how do you feel now compared to where you were there still in your first year in a job now you've been here a year and a half nearly two years what's the big difference that you, you, that you feel now yeah I think when you look and I look back on that that first probably eight nine months from um, August of the August of the season I joined just after the season started and up to probably that March April time when when the season ended that that was a you know it was an incredibly tough period and it actually it's only now you look back and realise how tough a period that was and and, and we won't, don't want to go back over it all but we all know um, how bad a season it was both on and off the park when we spoke this time last year or, or just at the end of um, that that really bad season uh, looking ahead to to last season under John and Paul I think we, we were we were obviously in a slightly better place but there was still so much of the rebuild to do that you know it was quite um it was quite scary at the time realizing how much work was needed needed to be done where i think we are now fast forward 12 months is we've, we've done a lot of that work a lot of the rebuild has has now taken place there's still more needs to be done clearly from a football perspective need to get out of the league and there's still some bits off the park that need to be done but it does feel a lot better i feel we did achieve a lot of progress last year it was clearly disappointing how the season ended from a football perspective but the club is in a much much stronger place so overall feeling 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 you know we're, we're in a much better place we've got better foundations now um and we're, i think we've got a really exciting year ahead you said at that point there's a probably one to three year rebuild where can you gauge where you think you are on that in terms of probably not on the park because that's not always in your control or mostly in your control but off the park where do you think you are in the rebuild process yeah, I think they must go hand in hand because we, we need to be as a minimum, a minimum, a top half championship team for that rebuild to, to be, to, for the rebuild side to be complete. We need to be as an absolute minimum competing in the top half of the championship, competing towards the top end of that league before we can even then consider obviously the next stage, which is hopefully then going and, and pushing on to, to the premiership. So until we get out of this league, rebuild can't be complete because we need to be as I say a club of our size we you know we should be we should never ever be any lower in my opinion than fourth or fifth in the championship that should be our lowest position as a football club so until we get back to that the rebuild's still ongoing off the park a lot of it's done on the park we weren't we weren't a mile million miles away last year 
from from achieving promotion. This year we need to achieve promotion, and that's and, and that's got to be the aim, and that's what we're all focused on. Obviously, the end of last season was really difficult, but there was a lot of good work done over the the period uh, since we last spoke, and you also had a lot of commercial deals done. You had lot new faces in the building. There was a lot of positivity around, and also the end of the season when the end of the season. But over that period, what are you most proud of that you've kind of achieved in that in that year and a half rebuild? I, I think getting to the semi final, you know, and, and I know that the, on the day it didn't go, it didn't go for us. But you know, it's, it's certainly as, as excited as I've been for a Falkirk game for a long time. It was amazing to see nine thousand Falkirk fans back at Hamden. Amazing to see the club back at Hamden again after so many bad years. And, and, and of, of course we all wish the game had went differently and the VAR, VAR hadn't stepped in after you know only a few minutes uh, and we, we don't know what the game would have, how, the, how the outcome would have been if VAR hadn't, hadn't intervened or if, if Callum's shot goes in um, you know, no long after equalised but the day itself I think it was important for the club to go back to that stage again and to be back at that stage and I thought the night here against the United you know, was the best night I've enjoyed or the best game I've enjoyed at the football club for probably since since the Hibs game, if I'm going to be honest, um, the Hibs playoff game all those years back, so that felt like we were we were getting back to the club that we all know it can be, and it's just unfortunate the way that the, the day went in the semi final. But I think we should all take pride that as a League One club, we did reach a semi final and we did go there with nine thousand fans. I think that's that should be something that we should be proud of. The nine thousand fans still says a lot for what people still feel about the club despite the previous five years. There's clearly still a lot of passion for it and there's a lot of want in the town for the club still to do well. Absolutely. I mean, if we'd got to a final, that would have been higher again. You know, we've, we've taken anywhere between 14,000 and 21,000 to the three finals in, in my lifetime. So we know that there's even more people that would have would have came along uh, who have got some kind of connection uh, uh, you know, for the club. But you're right, 9,000, after everything that the, the, the fans have been put through, is, was a remarkable number. It really, really was, and um, I just hope that we can, you know, hope that as we as we as we continue on this path to, to getting the club back to where it where it can be and should be, we can go back to Hamden again, and, and hopefully the not too distant future and, and experience another semi final or final. Because that's you know these are the days you remember, you know, they're, they're such a big party. Being a football fan is, is going to a semi final or final are, are massive. So hopefully one day in the not too distant future we go back again. Yeah, the end of last season was also very difficult. Um, we had the playoff disappointments, the disappointing semi-final. Um, at the end of that season, what happens inside the club? What do you guys do? Do you sit down and have a review of every part of the club, or do you just kind of sit and wait? Because it's quite painful for everyone to just kind of sit and let that breathe for a few weeks over the summer and then come back fresh. Yeah, that's a good question. I think the, the, the pain, you know, still actually sits a little bit in my gut right at this very moment, if I'm going to be honest with you, of that night at Airdrie, it's probably the lowest I've ever felt in football in my life, and you know, it's, football's such an emotional sport that it affects everybody, it affects everybody really, really, to, to a pretty, uh, pretty severe level, so in, in the aftermath of that of that away defeat um, to Airdrie, and then obviously... Um, you know, being unable to overturn it in the in the home leg, there's no doubt that you know that, that if you're passionate about football, passionate about football, football club, that that week and a half to weeks was, was extremely extremely tough. But you're right, we can't afford to to not reflect and not try and improve on on what we're doing. 
So we did we did have a you know an end of season um, debrief debrief review whatever you want to call it with the management team. We we, we looked at the progress we had made, but we looked at ultimately what were the what were the failings and and why did we come unstuck towards the end of the season? Why why didn't we uh, maybe do better uh, in the bigger games like against Dunfermline, for example? Um, I say semi final. I think was 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 partly because of our our you know decisions so early on. Um, but but ultimately, why didn't we succeed in getting promotion when you finish second in the league? We've been relatively good for most of the year. The final quarter was a bit was a bit of drop off. So we have to analyse that. We have to review that. And we did spend a lot of time with John and Paul uh, trying to to understand that as well. And um, and I'm sure John and Paul done a lot of their own reflection and 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 their own analysis because we you know we analyse everything to 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 degree in terms of um, Matty Rowan, who's 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 the analyst for the club. You know we're we're probably when it comes to this league probably there's nobody even close to us in terms of the amount of analysis we do so we, we, we have to learn from that we have to improve and therefore this season we need to we need to show that we've, we've, we're better than last year we have to be better than last year and if you're finishing second last year better than last year is we need to be aiming for first this year so it's easy to a bit be easy to get uh, to, if you make decisions or, you, or, you, or you, you get caught too much up in the emotion then you can't be reflective you can't it's difficult to then plan longer term if you're going to be allowing emotion to override decisions so as much as it's hurt, it hurts as much as we were hurting as much as anybody it, we have to we have to take a step back then review and then plan again and that's and that's what we've done so we're, we're going to next season I think in a stronger position given the signings we've made and going to the next season I think we're you know, a huge opportunity to go and win the league Can you share any of the lessons learned from last year maybe if it's not maybe not right for yourself to talk about all the football sides. Um, we're not without John Paul being here, but even some this off the pitch stuff. Can you share some of the lessons learned that kind of influence what you're setting your goals for this year? Yeah, I, I obviously from a football point of view, yeah, you're right. John and Paul, it's it's, it's their job to analyse player player specific and position specific and um, look at the tactics side, tactical side of of the game. But I think there was, a, you know, certainly an understanding that we, we, our, our belief that we could, you know, get a bit stronger, get a bit more physical, um, have a bit more pace. And I think you can see from the signs we've made that that, that clearly John and Paul have, have went to to improve in those areas. It's it's quite quite evident. Um, if if you take uh, even even take say, somebody like um, Ross McKeever, we, we've we've not we've not really had that that number nine type, which somebody who is really crucial for playing. And a kind of four-three-three or four-two-three-one system. You're really the number nine who can play with their back to goal, who can who's physical enough to compete against centre backs, who can link the play, who's willing to do a lot of the the harder work, which isn't always the prettiest, it's not always the most rewarding. We didn't really have that player as such last year. Um, although I think Juan Allegria uh, did a reasonable job in his in the first half of the season. So you take somebody like him and that's identifying that we, you know, that's the management team identifying we needed somebody like that. And if you look at what you know how he's done so far, um not only has he been able to add goals to his game, but is but he's he's certainly shown the capabilities of being that that, that, that player that, that we've been missing. And uh, you know, you can you can go through the rest of the, the, the signings, but I think you can see that there is definitely um there's been a there's been an understanding of where 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 weaknesses existed and trying to improve them. With regards to off the park, what we what we've what we've done is we've worked on a 
effective action plan so each of the departments are currently in the middle of just finalising action plans for the support services team uh, who, who look after hospitality ticket and retail commercial team for the advertising sponsorship and events our operations team which is pretty much just about everything else is in there so each of the departments have been working on action plans that, that I'll work with them on and then once we've finalised them they'll go to the board for, for sign off and that will give us all a, a working plan for the next year clearly the football plan has to be you know can we improve and, and can we go and get more points can we go and score more goals can we concede less and so on and the football plan is the one that every day is the most evident it's the most obvious it's where you're in the league table you're winning games of football so so every department's got a plan for next year and and what we need to do is see show continued improvement a rebuild is about making the club better than it was yesterday making the club better than it was last week and last month and although I think we've made some good progress, I still think there's quite a bit to go to make the club be excellent. You know, we want to be excellent at everything we do. And while I think there's certain areas we're good at, I still think there's a lot of work to do. So, um, so we're all working towards a plan uh, for the next year. And and if we if we can if we can show progress in each and all of those areas, we'll be in a good place next year. Are these sort of areas that the fans might see the progress. Um you know, under match day experience or when they're in or in the club, or is it things that you guys need to do operationally which makes the overall business run better? Yeah, I would hope it might not be it might not be kind of really obvious things, but um if 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 we're able to, for example, continue to improve communications, hopefully there have been an improvement in communications over the last kind of eighteen months and fans have hopefully seen that. But we don't want to stand still and just say, OK, we made some progress last year. So I'd like to think that in another six months or a year, the fans will again believe that or feel that there has been further progress in, in how we communicate, how we engage with supporters. So we keep adding and we keep just, just improving that area. So that's just one example. But I'd like to think that as, 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 as the weeks and months go on in this season, that hopefully fans will see kind of you know, little things here and there that they notice and say, that, you know, that's better. And if you take something like retail... Where, where retail was a year and a half ago was was kind of almost non-existent. We 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 didn't have an awful lot of options. We didn't have a lot of variety. A vast majority wasn't bespoke. If you go in the shop now, I think you'll see a huge number of items and and different merchandise that either hasn't been seen before or hasn't been seen for a long time at the football club, and that's because we've worked really really hard with Greaves with O'Neills. Um, with Joanne and Laura and the support service team to try and make sure a retail offering is as good as it possibly can be. So through, it might not be an overnight thing, but I'd, like, I'd hope fans now when they walk in the shop say, by the way, that, that's, 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 that shop's full of good items and things that I want. Um, and we have seen really positive retail sales, so so hopefully it's it's, it's, it's bearing, bearing fruit. I got my bar mat the other day, which I'm using on my work desk as my keyboard layout, so there's definitely more variety when you go in there, I think there's chopping boards and Absolutely. everything. So. And, and that's that's partly through, you know, the relationship with Greaves is Greaves, as well as doing the online store for us, which is, is a really difficult thing if we were to do that on our own, to do it well, an e-commerce store on your own, when you don't have that level of expertise in the, in the club, is, and you can make a bit of a mess of it, so we know with Greaves that working with them, not only are they going to deliver a really good e-commerce site for us which they do but they're actually a retail consultant for us so they then talk about do you want to try bar mats do you want to try pet pet items do you want to try and 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 then you work with them to build extra items over and above what i would class as the norm your hats your scarves your strips etc so in each of the areas when i look back about 18 months ago to now i think we've made i think we've actually improved pretty much across the board 
some areas more than others. But hopefully fans will, be, will listen to this and think, yeah, actually, to be honest with you, we are better there than we were 18 months or two years ago. Um, and that's what we've just got to keep aiming to achieve so that fans, as you say, they do notice it through time. Maybe not overnight, maybe not really obvious things, but they, they start to see subtle things and improvements. And that's what we've got to keep doing. We want to make this club the best club in Scotland. That's what we, that's what we want to do. So we need to keep aiming to improve. Apart of the our chat the last time and about your communication strategy at that point was trying to rebuild trust with the fans. Do you think you've done that over the past year and a bit? Uh, yeah, I do. I do. Uh, you know, you, you can caught up, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm no different. When you know you, the aftermath of of the Airdrie away game, you absolutely, you feel like maybe you've made two or three strides forward, and then you've taken five back because because of that. But as I see, what what you have to then do is is allow time for the for for the pain to to um to, to not completely go away, but to probably to, to reduce over time, and then then reflect. And I think on reflection. I think the supporters do have a reasonably good amount of trust in myself and the board um, at this moment in time. We'll never all always agree on everything and, and we, we still will make mistakes. I don't think, we hopefully don't make as many and we hopefully won't make, um, we'll make less and less going forward, I'd like to think. But I'd like to, I do believe that when I speak to supporters, you know, whether it be people I just know personally, whether it's in the bars, in the hospitality, in the round the ground on match day, what I get the sense is, is that people are, you know, are, are trusting that we are we are making progress and doing some good things, but they're never always going to always agree, and therefore we have to accept that. And then when you have a, a disappointment, there's no doubt that that um, at that moment in time, you you, you know you, you do you do look at it and think you know have you lost a bit of trust again? But that's football. That's football, and we have we can't we can't we can't focus on one result. And therefore, overall, to answer your question, I think we've made some good strides in that area. Looking forward to the new season then, starting the weekend against Annan at home. What's your overall feeling for the, the season coming ahead? Are you excited? Is there a bit of nervousness? Where are you and everyone else inside the club? Where's everyone head at? First and foremost, it's excitement. If you're, if you're not looking forward to the first game of the season as a football fan, I don't know. I don't know why. We, we've added seven players to the squad. We've always got two goalkeepers. One who, who we know well and Nicky who did well for us last year, Sam who's came in and the two of them are, are going to provide real competition for each other. I think we've already seen that. The five players that we brought in over and above that, I would I would, you know, be very confident right now of saying each and every one of them have improved us. I really do believe that. I think John and Paul's overall recruitment record is, is strong. You won't get every single one right, but I think the vast majority of our signings have been better. When you look at our squad this time last year, to this team this year, there's no comparison. We're 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 light years ahead of where we were this team last year. So we finished on sixty seven points last year, and we've got a better squad this year. Therefore, I'm confident that this year we will we will, we will surpass that number, um, and hopefully do it by by quite a few. Now, if you look at recent league winners, Dunfermline won it with eighty one um, last year, albeit they lost one game, which is pretty unusual. Cove Rangers won it the year before with 79 so you're looking to get up towards those kind of numbers so for us we're looking at probably three or four more wins as a minimum and if we do that I think I think we've got a real chance I, I do think we have the best squad I do believe that um, but I also I'm realistic that there's three other full-time teams in this league that are not going to be easy and we already know that f there's several you know, there's fact, I'd actually probably much say all the part-time teams I don't I don't think there's a part-time team who's going to get cut adrift. 
the way the season went last year, both Clyde and Peterhead ended up kind of more or less cut adrift at the bottom of the league. I think both Stirling and Annan will actually come in and compete well. And we already know about Montrose and Alamo and, and Kelty and Edinburgh, so we already know the qualities of their teams. So I think it's going to, I think there'll be a, there'll be a lot late. There won't be as much of a gap, I don't think, from the bottom of the league up to the top of the league as it was last year. I think I think you'll find it's a bit more condensed, but I think we could we've got the we've got the best possible opportunity right now to go and win this league. The big thing that fans always question about over the summer is the manager's budget. Can you just touch on what is the manager's budget the same as last year, or has it been changed over the summer? It's a good question, and what I'll probably try and do is actually answer in a, as full as I can with regards to the financial position of the yeah. club. Cause I think that's maybe. To try and give the full understanding of of where we are with the playing budget, it probably needs a bit more context. Yeah, even even today I've seen online people questioning why we still have the deficit there. Considering if you put our average attendance in the championship last year, according to online data, would be second. Yeah. So people are struggling to understand what the financial situation of the club actually is. No, that's, that's great. And to be honest with you, it, it is not straight. You know, football is not a straight. It's not a completely straightforward business. Where um, you know, for example, the more you sell, the bigger you are, or whatever it may be. There, there's so many other factors, and, and clearly, the performance of the team is, is is very important within that. So to answer the que- to answer your question, then give more context. We, we're slightly lower. The playing budget is slightly lower than last year. We wanted to actually um, go above last year, but to do that would would put us at a risk of maybe running out of money at some point in this season. And what we don't want to do is that. So the last, the last for num for numerous seasons, this club has survived on, as we know in the past, cup runs, player sales, lo- soft loans to get us from February, March, or April to the end of the year. It's just not sustainable. But we've been doing it for a long, long time. We are trying to eventually get the business to a point where that that isn't how the business runs, and we don't worry about how we're going to pay the wages from February or March onwards. Two years ago. Um, or three years ago, sorry, after the COVID season, we had the money in the bank from Will Volks. Now, what happened that year was we burnt through all of the money in the bank which from Will Volks, which is a you know, huge sum of money. So we had a massive operating loss, but it was covered by cash in the bank. Now, last year, we the, the, we, we set off with a, a, you know, a, a forecasted operating loss of about 400,000. We hoped to fill that as much as possible through shares. And there was a bit of an uptake in shares, but ultimately it wasn't £400,000. So while we did see massive improvements in commercial and we've seen continued good numbers through the gates, um, we didn't plan for the Scottish Cup run, which we'll come on to in a second, but we didn't, we weren't able to bridge the £400,000 in, in, in fan investment or in external investment only. So we did have to, before we knew we were reaching the Scottish Cup semi-final, we did have to go and get some, some loans to cover the shortfall. So we got some some soft loans and we sold 10-year season tickets and we got some investment. And that basically would have got us to the end of the season just in no more. But then we got the Scottish Cup run, which which was was very, very, very good and did absolutely make a difference, but not to the same level as we would have hoped or the same level that we forecast. So to explain that, we, so would have, as I say, without the Scottish Cup, we would have got to the end of the year, but it would have been soft loans and 10-year season tickets and so on that got us there. So when the Cup run came along as a bonus, that then allowed us to get to the end of the season and to have a, bit of, a little bit of cash in the bank. So we were forecasting to make a small profit from last year's accounts. Now, as it happens, we're actually going to make a loss again. 
The main reason being what we hoped would happen from the semi-final. All the all the money from the Scottish Cup semi-finals is all effectively put into one pot. I think most people know that. That everything that Celtic sell, everything that Rangers sell, everything Inverness sell, everything Falkirk sell, all those tickets go into one pot. But the clubs retain the the tickets they sell until the reconciliation is done. So we sold, we sold just under 9,000 tickets. So we had all that money in the bank. What we then expected to happen was when we um, when we did unfortunately lose to Inverness, we thought we would get our TV payment, which was £60,000. We would keep our gate receipts, which were just under 9,000 tickets. And we thought we would then get some form of um, uplift from the Celtic and Rangers game. But what you don't know is you don't know the costs associated with policing, stewarding, handing, etc. You never get to see that. So what we had forecast, we, we thought we'd been relatively conservative, and we, we forecast um, getting the £60,000 from the TV and getting £50,000 from the Celtic and Rangers game, which we thought was very conservative. As it turns out, once the reconciliation was done, we actually owed money back to the Scottish Review for our 9,000 tickets. So we did, not only did we not get the 60000 TV money, we only got 31000 from the TV money, because we, we effectively owed money back into the pot from our tickets, and therefore we got nothing at all, effectively, from the Celtic Rangers game. Um, so yeah, it's all reconciled, but we were expecting to get some kind of uplift from the 50000 ticket sales. So what that shows you is how expensive it is to obviously run a Celtic and Rangers game, and again, we don't we don't get the the figures. We don't know how much the police cost and the steward in and so on. But we went from expecting sixty thousand plus fifty thousand pound to actually getting thirty. So in the end, we were, you know our forecasts were well out. And this is a lesson I'll need to take on: is if we do get to our semi final again, especially for the Celtic Rangers game, that the, the type of money you hope to make from these runs is quite a lot lower. So so that was that was a bit of a blow, albeit the cup run was still a massive bonus, but it didn't get to, as to the stage where. As, 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 as probably as much as we'd have hoped. The other thing that happened is, unfortunately, because of the first half, first leg performance against Airdrie, we had been forecasting in the months, once we knew we were going to be in the playoffs, we'd been forecasting on a sellout home game. Now, clearly and understandably, we didn't sell out for the for the home game against Airdrie. In fact, we were a good kind of two or three thousand short from the home end. So that also, we didn't hit that target because that ended up quite a bit down. So those two blows in the end actually kind of turned the cash from our accounts from a, you know, a, a, maybe a very small profit into, into a loss. So I'll then bring us to the kind of where we are, if you want to call it, this financial year. So we go in with a bit of money in the bank, but not a lot from, from the semi-final. And then the fans bank money, which the FSS secured, and I know we'll come on to that in a wee minute, that then allowed us to, 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 to sell the remaining shares to the FSS and for the FSS to become the biggest shareholder. We obviously had the grant from the Scottish FA paying for half the pitch. So once we've done all that work, the fans bank money and the, the Scottish FA grant have covered the pitch and they've covered the floodlights, which is which is great. So we managed to do those two big infrastructure jobs and there's a bit of money left. So what that, where that leaves us in is we're still going to, this year, from, a, from an actual operating income and expense point of view, we're still going to have this £400,000 loss that, to be full-time, it's almost impossible in League One to actually avoid a full, a, a, an operating loss. It'll be covered this year by the cash in the bank. But then we're going back to the same... You know, the cycle we're, the cycle we're trying to get out of is, is when you do get a cash windfall, 
instead of being able to invest it properly, you just cover the black hole where the club's been for 15 years. Unfortunately, we're still, because we're in League One, we're still in that same position. So this cash will cover the shortfall this year. So we won't run out of money. But at the same time, we we don't have that safety net for next year. So we're back to the same problem again next year. Um, and by that's assuming that we meet all our targets because as well as as well as having cash in the bank, we, we, we need to meet all our targets from season tickets to sponsorship to advertising to hospitality to retail to events for us to then reach the budget and make, and make the budget work. Because anything, if we don't hit those targets, then the operating loss becomes bigger. And then we could end up potentially in a situation where towards the end of the year, uh, cash gets a little bit tight. So, therefore, for us to then create the budget for the management team this year, while we want to make it as big as we possibly can, we can't run the risk of them running out of money in February or March and then having the same problem where we have to go and take soft loans again. Now, we're paying the loans off this year, obviously. So one of our, one of the, you know, the, the, as much as getting the loans was really, really helpful, obviously they have to be paid back over the next three years. So we're paying that back, but then we have the same problem again where, where we, can't get, we can't get to February and March and run out of money. So that's why the manager's budget isn't quite at the level we'd like it to be. It's, it's close to last year. We still think it's a very, very competitive budget. But ideally, we would have loved to, to bring another couple of players in. That would have been, you know, an ideal scenario. We'd have been to sign another two players. Um, but we just we just can't quite do that without putting the club at risk. And I'll finish on the kind of so why why has the club got an operating loss? Because we've got the best fan base in the league by a country mile. We've got one of probably the top ten fan bases, top twelve fan bases in Scotland. So how can we possibly continue on an operating loss from the SBFL pot? Effectively, this is where it all comes down to: is the eighty-four percent that goes to the Premiership, eleven percent of the pot goes to Championship, and three and a half percent goes to League One. So last th that year just passed, we will get around about one hundred and thirty thousand pound from the SPFL. Now, if we were further fourth, we're third place in the Championship, we would get over five hundred thousand pound. So the difference between being where we are and where we were for several years, which was competing at the top end of could be anywhere between 300,000 up to five or 600,000 once you include away, away crowds being bigger and so on and so forth. And that five, 600,000 pound is the reason why we can't break even at this level. It's impossible as a full-time club. We could break even if we half the playing budget and just simply went, you know what, we'll just run as a part-time squad. But then we're a part-time squad. And if you go down that route, I think, it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy because then you probably have less season tickets, you probably sell less advertising, you probably sell less sponsorship because people aren't as 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 excited about watching a part-time Falkirk. And we just, we don't want to go into that position. We want to be a team that's competing at the top in the championship and eventually a team that's in the premiership. So the only way we can possibly maintain full-time football is to run with an operating loss. But as I say, that's not sustainable longer term. So we need to get to the point where we can run sustainably and the only way to do that is to be in the upper half of the championship season after season as an absolute minimum so i hope that answers that question and i'm sorry it's not a straightforward or quick answer but i do think it's important that fans absolutely know where we are and understand where we are and and and, and hopefully it makes sense but you know do you have any follow-up questions after that mate there's a few um should that SFA process be transparent? Because that seems that it doesn't seem right that the four teams competing don't get sight of the numbers. 
And I'm not suggesting there's anything wrong. I'm just saying, we all keep saying about transparency in every part of football. Surely that's something that needs to change. So on that one, yeah, I fully agree. I fully agree. I mean, we, we to get to give fans supporters an idea, when we played on Fairland, which is clearly our biggest game, we'll pay about six or eight thousand pounds for policing. So that's what we know we pay. Now you're then going to a Celtic Rangers game with fifty thousand people. It's also on a Sunday, so I'm assuming that maybe for the steward then for maybe you know, there's double time or treble. I, I don't know what, what how it works out. But you're right. It would, it would be nice to know what that breakdown is. And because we've not been, I say we, the club has obviously been in semi-finals and finals in the past, but it's a whole new board. I've never personally, in my role, been in a semi-final or a Scottish Cup before. So so we don't have the experience of knowing how the reconciliation all breaks out. And therefore, it would be nice to know roughly, a bit, you know, to, to have a better idea of what you might, you might get at the end of the day. Um, because we certainly got a lot less than we hoped. Yeah. And in terms of the, the manager budget, Essentially, what you're saying is, with the cash in the bank, we are even this year, with the current budgets as they are. So you could push the budget budget up, but then you're incurring a greater operating loss, and you're going to be in the same position as last year, relying on a cup run or relying on loans to then bridge a further loss. So at the moment you're sitting at the 400. If you increase the manager budget, you're going to five, six hundred, and then you've got another hundred, two hundred thousand to bridge on top of what you're already doing. That's correct. That's absolutely correct. And and as I say, that's that three to four hundred grand operating loss is only if we hit all our targets as well. So that could also be bigger if, for example, we, we didn't hit the, the, the commercial numbers we need to hit, then that operating loss could be bigger. It's like it's an, an, like in anything, you must set targets that are achievable but also targets that are stretching. So we want to increase now we did see really good progress in commercial last year, and I mean across all commercial and supporter services areas. But we've had to increase those numbers again this year. So while the the at this moment in time, what we anticipate will happen is we'll, we'll generate around about a four hundred thousand pound operating loss again, and the cash in the bank will effectively pay for it. If we fall short on our targets, it could be bigger. So then to then also take another risk on top of that and put another say hundred thousand pound into the playing budget, therefore means we could be another hundred hundred fifty two hundred thousand pound short and then we're back to the same problem of going and asking for for help and loans and we need to try our best to get out of that cycle and the only way to do it is to get up yeah so for the season ahead you know fans have had increasing season ticket prices etc etc that's essentially and covering your increasing costs basically because it's not eating into the the loss any really compared to last year yeah so the first of all, season ticket numbers are absolutely magnificent. What are we at um, now? Two and a half. Yeah, we're just we're over two and a half now. So it was two. I think it was two five, twelve, two thousand five hundred twelve. Just a couple of days ago, and there's been obviously some 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 more coming in. So it's like a phenomenal, phenomenal numbers. But yeah, <laughs> on top of all the other challenges we face, like anybody, we are like any company. We've got increasing costs in almost every single budget line across the whole club. Uh, you look at electricity and, uh, and energy; it's up by fifty nine percent this year. So. Whatever we do, we we were we were always we were already going to have a bigger overhead and cost base this year, regardless before we even kick a ball. So unfortunately, we have had to increase the ticket prices. Um, we have increased the hospitality, and we have put you know a percentage on advertising boards and so on. And as you say, that that really is just covering off the extra cost that the club has. Um, we'd love it to be used to invest it 
but the reality is, like any business, we, we have to cover our costs in the first place, and, and, and unfortunately, they're all going up. Yeah. So, season ahead, the squad, the manager said his budget's pretty much spent already. The loan market, I think, is open until September, then in September-ish. Can we expect potential movement there if the right player comes along, or is it hard, the money's used? You certainly don't want to ever say that it's, it's something's impossible. Um, we, we've obviously, you know, the management team focused on getting the strongest core squad we absolutely could get. As I say, we'd love to have be a couple of players more, um, but for the reasons we've just discussed, it made it difficult. However, you, I wouldn't rule out a one player. I would not rule out a one player because one, we're a club that is seen as a really positive place to send young players both in terms of the history of the club, but also in terms of John and Paul. have got an incredibly good reputation for looking after young players. So young players become, can be very affordable, um, especially as the season wears on, because what, the, what the, the Premiership teams tend to do is hold on to them initially through the group stages or you know through the, the pre-season into the start of the league campaign before they actually want to release them. They've been a very attractive place for young players to come. So I wouldn't rule out a young player arriving on loan. Um, and you're right, we've got to the end of September. And there's always a possibility of players going as another direction as well. You know, you, we wouldn't rule out a player going another direction. So certainly not one we would rule out, but it's um, it, it's not one that is going to be easy to, to navigate. And because you also don't want to just take a player for the sake of it. And I think John and Paul's reputation and how they work with young players shows you that they're very good at it. And if we do have the opportunity to find the right young player and bring that player in, then we'll do our best to do it. Someone that touched on your answer about the Falkirk Sports Society was also a big moment for the club. The Sports Society getting that grant, putting their share issue up to 25-ish percent of the club. That's obviously a big milestone. Has that kind of exceeded your expectations? Did that come out of the blue or is that something that's in the works for a while? It was in the works for a while. The, the FSS drove it and uh, the committee drove it, which is and they've, done a, they've done a fantastic job to get to get the 717 members is, is, is a positive, but also to now be the biggest shareholder in the club, I think, is, is, a, is a pretty fantastic achievement. When you think of a few years ago, that that would never have seemed possible at this football club. Because the football club had, for a long, long time, um, had you know predominantly the, one group of people owning the club um, with a significant, you know, large percentage. To think where we are now, that we've actually now got 717 people who are part of FSS who now own uh, as over twenty five percent of the club is, is is remarkable, but it was it was a lot a lot, a lot of work building up to it, um, and as I say from our point of view, we 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 knew we had to finance the the other parts, the, the infrastructure jobs as well. So from our point of view, it was important to be able to sell those shares to allow us to reinvest it into the into the facility. So really important for a number of reasons, and and you know credit to every FSS member who's helped the the, the, the organisation get to that point. Well, talking about that money that covered some of those infrastructure projects, if that money hadn't came in, I'm assuming you'd be looking at a very different financial position for this year. Yeah, we'd have probably been a, a lower playing budget. We'd have probably been a lower playing budget. Um, we did have a we did have a bit of a fallback option, which which would you know would have been another kind of loan. Um, mm. And you know, if we had to go down that road, we would have done it because the pitch needed replaced. It was about to fail. The floodlights were failing, and therefore we had to do both of those jobs. Um, but it certainly helped us move forward positively to get the two jobs done um, because without that it would have been a bigger challenge. 770 members now taking up the shareholding and they're putting in I think 80 something thousand a year at this point. Is that a sustainable model for the club? There's also 
a lot of discussion online about whether this is the right time to do it in League One, but in your opinion, in the club's position, is it the right time and is it sustainable for the next five, ten years? So sustainability in Scottish football is really something that's, that's not easy to achieve and, and yeah, you'll have examples of clubs that are owned by somebody who for a period of time have lots of money but then that person then moves on and the club find themselves with a different model. Longer term, it is sustainable for Falkirk to be a fan-owned club. If if we were in the path of the Championship, we could start to look at a break-even model. If we were in the Premiership, we could definitely look at a break-even model with fan ownership. And that's we've got to look longer term. We've got to try our best. And we believe fan ownership is the right thing for Falkirk Football Club. And the fans actively having a say and how they elect their board and what decisions um, to allow that the board team will make decisions in the best interest of Falkirk Football Club then we, we should do everything we possibly can to make that a success. Now, when you're in League One, for the reasons we covered, it's unsustainable to be full-time in League One. So therefore, nothing is sustainable unless you do have somebody that's just got really, really deep pockets and is willing to lose hundreds of thousands of pounds a year. But you do look at Motherwell, you do look at St Mirren, who I don't believe are bigger than Falkirk as a football club, and therefore they, they, they are shown as a sustainable way for football clubs to operate. Now, in the short to medium term until we're into the Championship and into the Premiership, it does mean that it's a real big ask on supporters, a big, big ask to continue to fund the club over and above the normal season tickets, etc. Um, and therefore, at no point have, have we ever um, said it wouldn't be possible for external investment to come in. We did have it Phil and Carrie Rollins and the idea was and they were they were absolutely bought into the, the, the three legged stool idea. So the right people coming in with the right with, with the right values and the best interest of the football club at heart could invest in the football club and we could find ways to make that happen. But clearly it, for as long as we're in League One, it's going to be really, really difficult. So I think what we've got to at the moment is a pretty impressive achievement. Uh, and the FSS have, have been great and the patrons have been great but longer term of course you have to make sure the club's protected longer term and therefore for the longer we stay down here the harder it is to be sustainable at all and certainly um, we went to year five the fact that we're still full time in year five is a massive testament to this football club's fan base its sponsors and its investors because very few football clubs would have ever been able to survive five years in League One um, and therefore it's a, it's a testament to every single Falkirk supporter and everyone who's contributed in the last five years that we are. You launched another scheme over the summer which was the Forever Falkirk Fund to sit alongside the FSS for, I think, classified as donations essentially throughout the season and when I spoke to the board they said they actually got quite a few donations last year. So how's the sign-up going for that and is that something you're looking to continue? Yeah, it's been a relatively uh, low, low uptake. We, we wanted to give a supporter who maybe didn't believe in fan ownership for any reason and just wanted to donate straight into the manager's budget wanted to give a second option so we absolutely want people in the first instance to go and sign up for FSS which they have done in good numbers but if there's people out there who don't want fan ownership we feel it would be remiss to not give another option so it's it's not something that's, that's taken off to a, to a high level um, and it's still open, and we absolutely will keep it open for fans that maybe think, actually, I would like to just donate straight into the manager's budget. 
that's the way to do it. But you can also do it via the FSS. So for any support out there, that's th these, these are the two ways that we can look at increasing the manager's budget. Um, and, and therefore, the, the more people sign up, the, the, that, that is effectively, at that point, new money. It's not season ticket money when we've budgeted on it already or commercial money because overall, just because one income lines up doesn't mean you can then go and spend more money because if another income lines down, then clearly you're not any better off. Because the money from the FSS, if that was to go up or forever Falkirk was, was to go up or combined goes up, that is effectively money we've not budgeted on and that allows us to go straight into manager's budget. So that was the idea behind, behind forever Falkirk and um, an idea behind the FSS now that the shares are bought is, is to continue to allow the club to, um, to do more and therefore um, directly impact the manager's budget. Talking about the fans and the financial contribution that they'll be making, the past few games we've been trying to make a bit more noise in the Kevin McAllister stand, you've introduced a trial of a singing section. How do you and the club think it's went and is it someone you're looking to keep engaging with and try and encourage to go forward? Yeah, it's it's hard to not hark back to Brockville when you talk about atmosphere, but I'll, but I'll do it anyway. Is it, that as a kid growing up, that was you know I remember some 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 great days, for well, many great days at Brockville, but but ultimately it was a it was a stadium that it kind of allowed. It was certainly more suited to atmosphere. The old fashioned, absolutely more suited to atmosphere. And what I said to the, to the guys on the first night we went on the consultation night is I said, look, I appreciate that times have moved on and that football's different than it was when I was a kid watching. I said, and we're never going to recreate Brockville. But what we asked them to do was we said, well, we've got one of our biggest asset is our fans by a long way. We've got a fantastic fan base. But if we've got three and a half thousand home fans here and there's no atmosphere, then we're not we've not got any advantage over another team in the league who might have five hundred home fans with no atmosphere. So what we want to do ahead of this season, or what we want to do ahead of this season was give our players a competitive advantage. And we can do that. Three three and a half, four thousand home fans here, we can really, really do that. And also create a better atmosphere in terms of a match day experience. Now I know we knew when we did it there would be people that wouldn't be overly happy but we felt that we had to at least consult, we had to go and listen to feedback and it was only fair to give it a trial. Now if the trial, get to, if we get to the end of the trial and the feedback is overwhelmingly negative then obviously we have to take that on board. What I would suggest so far is the feedback we've had has been actually very very positive. Um, and therefore the guys deserve credit, deserve credit. I've spoke to the management team, I've spoke to the players, various players about it, and every one of them have said, that makes a difference. That does make an absolute difference. So, and there's also been supporters who have got in touch to say, I, I was a little bit apprehensive, I wasn't sure about it, but actually, we think it's, we're really pleased with it, we think it's going well. So we'll still listen to feedback, we're still absolutely open to feedback, and so please do share your feedback with us, whether it's through the FSS, whether it's through uh, Kevin Beatty at our SLO, whether it's board at falkerkfc.co.uk, please feel free to share your feedback with us. But for us to get the most out of this stadium, we need to have, to have an atmosphere, and I think so far the guys have done a really good job in the first two games, and if we can keep that going and their numbers continue to grow, then there's no reason why we can't eventually make this stadium a real fortress, like Brockville was. And it's partly because we had a, a fan base right behind us. So well done everybody so far. And even those that are not part of the Ultras, get up, make a noise, give the players every bit of backing you possibly can from the first minute. Because no other team in the division has the support we have or anything like it. So that's our biggest possible extra advantage we can get. So please support us and get behind the team. 
I guess it's the noise that you hear at away games. You want to replicate that here and make it bigger, essentially. Because we've always, but even the past few years, we've had great away noise, but the home noises has been nowhere. So it's it's just replicating the enthusiasm everywhere you go. Absolutely. I mean, the party festival game the other, the other day was great. That was for the, the 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 crowd created that day was fantastic. And as you say, it's it's kind of almost always been the case. It's easier to create noise away from home than it is at the Falkirk Stadium. That's why we have to try and do something about it. If we just accept forever more that this stadium's never going to have an atmosphere, then you know that's a real defeatist attitude. So therefore, we've said, yeah, it's not ideally set up to have an atmosphere. We'd love to have safe standing over the far side, for example, to let people get closer to the ground, to the to the, to the pitch, to let people have the more traditional terracing. But we don't have the money to go and build that or spend the money on that just now. So let's create something in the stadium as it currently exists to improve the match day atmosphere and to give the players a competitive edge and hopefully we're doing that. I guess that's just further into fan engagement and speaking to fans and encouraging fans to contact you and are you planning on doing Q&As, are you planning on doing more fan outreach events over the year to try and encourage more communication, more ideas, just to try and make this place, you know, it's, it's 20 years since the West Brockville but to try and make this place more like home because for some people it still isn't and but I think for most of us it is, but we need to improve it. Yeah, so we, we had an open training session as well, which is obviously uh, the first time we've done one of them for, for quite some time. We want to keep doing more, and if fans have ideas, then we want to listen to them. Uh, we don't have any Q&As planned, or any um, nights planned where, where, where fans can come along and, and, and speak to myself and the board, but that doesn't mean we won't do them. It's just that we don't have any planned at this moment in time. If there's an appetite for them, we'll absolutely go and do them again. We have, obviously, in the last year and a half, did road shows, went out and went to different bars and rest, uh, pubs in the area. We've done nights in the Brockville Bar. We've done nights in the Westfield Cafe. So we, we want to continue to engage. Um, and, and if there's an appetite to do more again this year, then we're happy to do it. Probably one of the last things we'll probably touch on is Falkirk TV. It's been a big change over the summer. Uh, the guys who have done a brilliant job in it, for years as I've stepped away. There's been a new online platform which people have questions over its origin. Uh, what side of the forfeit may come from? So can you just talk about the changes to Forward TV and, uh, and what the new, the new service now is? Of course. So first of all, I think you know, we have to pay a, a huge amount of credit to, to Stuart and Lewis who were you know, phenomenal for the club over a long time and both rightly um, received outstanding contribution awards at the recognition night. Uh, naturally, when when two people that have been so important to 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 a certain area of the club, in this case Falkirk TV, move on, it's not an easy thing to just go and replace them. It's not. And at the same time, we were going through our overall IT review and and and, and uh, IT tender. And one of the things that became apparent is we, what we didn't have was a was a contract with the the, the, the with the provider. And um, so because it was set up by supporters many many years ago, it's it's one that uh, um, maybe had been overlooked, uh, and, and as a result, the club wasn't really protected in terms. Of, we didn't have a contract, um, and there was a you know there was a there was a significant price increase. So therefore, we thought we'll we'll go to go to tender, go to the market, and, and see see what um, see 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 what was the best going forward. Get a contract, get something properly in writing, and and then progress, and also at the same time recruit a whole new team of people. So we've done a lot of work on that. We we have uh, recruited a new team of people, which is fantastic, and they're 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 kind of bedding in now. And I've, I've we use pre-season as a bit of a trial 
So that's why we didn't broadcast in pre-season. We wanted to make sure we had something that was going to work and, and work well. Um, we did go to a new provider, and uh, yeah, there's, I, I did see many comments on online. Some some pretty uh, some pretty funny ones. People obviously trying to stir stir some uh, some rumours that were completely untrue. Uh, it's it's true that the that the, the individual who who owns the company um, did initially also set up Pars TV, but the company itself is completely independent and has nothing to do with them filming. Um, but yes, absolutely, it was. <laughs> it was a. It was. They did. He did. He did help set past TV up in the first instance, um, but completely independent. And no, no money goes to Dunfermline. I can categorically say no money goes to Dunfermline. Put that rumor to bed. We're uh, not we, funding Dunfermline this year. We can year. put that rumor to bed if you think for one second myself or anybody at this club would sign up to a a, a supplier where money was going to our biggest rivals. Then I can assure you that's not the case. What we want to make sure we do with Falkirk TV is is deliver as good a service as we have done over the years and then look to improve again on the service. Um, and hopefully those that have tuned in the last couple of games have, have seen a, you know, a good quality service and that's what we want to do. So please, all the work we've done in the background has got us to a position where Falkirk TV is back up and running again with a new team on a new site, but it's it's very much our Falkirk TV. Good. That's a nice one to put to bed, I think. Um, just kind of wrapping up. As you look back at your time, nearly two years here now, and you're looking forward to the new season, how are you overall feeling going into it? Are you, are you still quite optimistic now this year and um, we're going to have a successful season? Yeah, the, the, the club the club, the club, was in a really bad place, we know that. Um, much worse than I had realised when I first joined, but certainly it came home to, to the real realisation came home and after everything that happened with the Q&A and, and, and the season that we had. Um, so where we are now is we're, we're in a much better place. I think the fans have responded again with regards to the season ticket uh, season ticket numbers. We've seen fantastic retail sales. We've got our advertising is currently sold out, You know, which at this moment in time I think is an incredible effort from the commercial team. Our sponsorship's going really, really, really well. So we're, we're now getting to the point where the club is functioning properly, it's functioning efficiently and it's starting to, to be good in areas, maybe even very good in some areas um, and therefore that does give me reason to be optimistic absolutely, so here's to a really really exciting season here's to, here's to winning this league and looking forward to the championship next year Right, just for a wrap up, I think important for us to touch on youth development we've also got five modern apprentices signed up now How's the rebuild of that going? What can fans expect in the, the coming season? So for those that have been at maybe some of the games in pre-season, you'll have seen the guys get game time, which was which was great. And doing well. Yeah, absolutely. I thought so too. To, to see guys get on the park again and show that, that youthful hunger and desire to go and play, I think was I think was really positive. Um, there's very few things that get me kind of more excited than seeing a young player come on the park. And I think we've seen a little bit of that in pre-season. And these guys are still, in the most part, still very young. Still, um, apart from Scott, haven't had any uh, any real first team experience. So it's a huge ask for them to just come in and you know, start competing for a place. But what they have done is they've all done really well in pre season. They've all they've all adapted to full time football, adapted to playing with men and um, and the demands and the standards that, that, that are set at this football club. And I think the exciting thing is we've now got that that pipeline starting to come through again it may be that, that, that 
it's still a season too early for, for, for most of them or all of them in terms of making a real contribution on the park. But the aim in youth development is always that longer term aim. And it's about can we get a player ready for six months' time, a year's time or two years' time. And every player's journey is going to be different. But we've got these players in now, which we didn't have for a long number of years. We've, we've re-entered the Reserve Cup this year and we've got the guys going to playing bounce matches and they've already you know they've already been doing so so they're starting to get there they'll probably go on loan some of them probably go on loan as well to get competitive game time and I think that takes us another step towards where we want to be our aim is still to when we can to fully reintroduce the academy and have you know under 10s 11s all the way up but that does take investment I think I've mentioned it before probably about 100k over and above what we currently spend um so while we do the fundraising, like the speakers' night and the golf day, etc., for the academy, um, there is probably still about hundred k roughly that we need to find overall to have the academy fully function, and therefore we can't do it just now. We can't do that. We'd love to, but the reality is we need to get the club in a position where it can sustainably afford to have a full full time academy. But we're making we made another step again this year. So the last two years now we've we've continually added and improved in what we've done. And we've now got a development squad there who, as I say, will compete in the Reserve Cup for the first time in a long number of years. And therefore, we're on track to where we want to be in 26-27, which is a full Falkirk Academy with young players you know, banging on the door of the first team and hopefully playing for this first team. And that's that's, that's where we want to continue to progress. And I'm confident we will get there, but we need to do it as and when we can afford to do it. And at this moment in time, it's, it's a stretch too far. Well, fans will be able to attend Reserve Cup games and will the the website kind of keep everybody up to date with the matches and as, as the reserve team and the young boys go through yes they will and our first reserve cup match is actually against Dunfermline at home so oh, I'm sure there'll be a few more fans than normal might come along to that one and yeah we absolutely will publicise the, the reserve team fixtures um, we've only had the cup at this stage we, we've um, trained not to enter the league the league is another 10 games over and above the cup and we just felt that given the fact we're, we're slowly making our steps back into youth development that that might have been a little bit of a stretch too far um, especially because we don't have the biggest first-team squad, so it's not like we can afford to mm. say um, send several first-team players down every second week to play reserve football. Um, if we were doing that, we'd potentially run, in, run the risk of, of, it, of, of too many injuries. So there will be opportunities to attend, and, and I'm sure a few might come along. Great. Just before we finish up then, have you got any final message you want to give to the Falkirk fans ahead of the new season and the kick-off against Alwa? Which I'm, I'm bringing some newbies for my free tickets, so I'm hopeful. We're playing Alwa now. Oh, Annan. Annan, apologies. <laughs> I've never fought Annan in years, so that's why it was Alwa in my head. But yeah, Annan this weekend. Uh, any final messages? I, I think I think the main thing is, guys, you've, suppose you've stuck by the club to an absolutely incredible level. What, what we need is everybody to get right behind the management team, get right behind the squad for this, for this, you know, for this season ahead. We've got an incredible opportunity to go and win this league. We absolutely have. We had some really good moments last year and ultimately didn't succeed in our, in our aim. But we've improved again. And whatever you're backing, this football club can go and win this league. But we need you to get right behind us. We need you to make sure that you're um, as loud as you can be in a positive way and make this stadium a real fortress. And when you go away from home, as you do, back us in great numbers. And if we do that with your support, then I think we could have a great season. Fingers crossed. And thank you again for Jamie for speaking to us and kind of being open and honest throughout the season, even going on Falkirk Daft and things. That's all appreciated for the fans. 
and uh, best of luck for the year ahead. Yeah, thank you. And and, and once you've listened to this, if you've asked any follow-up questions, please make sure you, you, you ask them on social media or, or get in touch with me direct and I'll do my best to answer. Great. Brilliant. Thanks, Jim. And good luck. Thank you, Colin.